Campfire Stories Story and Art by Jimmy Muckaspenny The night I went into the mountains alone to escape the bustle of humanity was spent, as always, gazing at the vast night sky. I don't recall falling asleep, but one minute I was basking in peaceful solitude under the stars, and the next, three strange inhuman beings were sharing the warmth and light of my small fire their primal stench causing my nose to wrinkle from intense animal musk and the metallic tang of old and fresh blood. A chilling presence of ancient, alien evil. Goosebumps, sharp like needles poking every part of my body. The central figure, tall and thin, in an animal skull mask with red-stained antlers reflecting moonlight, began to speak bone-grating, wetly guttural, indecipherably disturbing noises, somehow conveying an understanding of cosmic importance, deep significance of this gathering. Every half-century, repeating back through the ages, a time-honored ritualistic storytelling contest. Winner exalted, loser devoured. The figure to the right rose to begin. Shrouded in a hooded cloak, multiple eyes glowing within, sharp teeth gleaming around a wide maw of writhing tentacles, dry buzzing voice like flies on a corpse's face in the desert. The Shogoth's Tale A disgusting human town there was, many years ago, not far from here full of disgusting humans. Happy, it shuddered and groaned. For the most part, the people were who lived there. Until the day an old, bearded stranger came to visit, giving away magic rocks for free to all who crowded around his rickety old cart. The rocks glowed blue in the townspeople's hands, giving off waking dreams of big-eyed animals, food on steaming plates, and smiling people which these nasty humans enjoyed, more shuddering and groaning from the other side of the fire. For several days the town was a horribly joyful place, the townsfolk playing with the stones all day, laughter and smiles as the old stranger looked on. It was imperceptible at first, a mean edge to the laughter, the smiles turning sly and sinister as the dreams slowly altered warping minds. The dreams changed to injury-causing accidents, insulting comments on unflattering body types, political biases accentuated and inflamed, eye bags deepened and darkened, Furtive eyes darting, old grudges dividing friends and family. There was joy no longer, but the people were fixated and unable to stop playing with their rocks. The minorities were the first to go, anyone who stood out as different. The outsiders, the weirdos, freaks and deviants. Knives flashing in the night. Houses burned down with terrified people trapped inside. Then beautiful chaos and anarchy. Mobs in the street, burning beating, looting, and killing. The old, bearded stranger stalked unharmed through the chaos, grinning widely. Then silence, other than the sweet buzzing of flies. The old man stalked through the torn, smoky, blood-stained town, recovering the now dormant rocks from the pretty staring corpses, filling his cart once more before moving on to the next town, satisfied at a job well done. The Shogoth sat back down, indicating the end of the tale. 
while the two other creatures showed their evident relish of the story's cadence with throaty growls, gnashing of teeth, and grinding of claws. All three drooled copiously. It became pretty obvious to me at this point what theme of story they enjoyed. The central figure, tall, skeletal, all bones, matted fur and antlers, now rose, towering over me, and began its tale in its wet, grinding voice. The Windigo's Tale Another nice old man, this one a clean-shaven peddler, came to town. A more pleasant town than the last story, with tastier, juicier folk than the last. His large, leather belt pouch strained at the seams, bursting full of strange dark gold, with which he bought everything he could find for sale, making offers on things that were not. The dark gold had power that called to the lovely, juicy folk of that picturesque town. Dark, seductive whispers creating an instant and powerful addiction to greed. People offered their most prized valuables in desperate trade, gambling, coercing, promising service. The more dark gold they gained, the more they desired, obsessed and consumed by it. A few became powerful, hoarding gold to control those they considered useful in gangs, while the weak and undesirable became destitute, begging and starving, offering their own children and bodies for sale. Before long, gangs warred on other gangs, fighting, killing, torturing sweetly and committing delightful atrocities until only one triumphant gang was left holding all the gold. Those left alive were now fully infected by the plague gold, slowly dying in agony, rictus grins on their sunken faces, clawing at the very gold that poisoned them, tearing each other's flesh from bones, bare hands turned to claws as they died. A beautiful deathly silence settled over the town, broken only by the clamor of carrion birds, feasting on sweet, juicy eyeballs. Miles away, the peddler whistled tunelessly, a knowing smirk on his wrinkled face, already halfway to the next town, his leather pouch once again full. As the other beasts growled their pleasure at the Windigo's story, I couldn't help notice the frequent glances in my direction, eyes glinting and mouths drooling. My mind raced frantically trying to think my way out. I had the beginning of a plan, but if I couldn't finalize it during the next story, it was becoming plain to me that I would become supper. Hopefully, they would kill me before they started eating. The final creature stood, ancient armor clanking, steam rising from damp, pungent fur and fangs. Guttural ancient Japanese words echoed over the flames, punctuated by dramatic pauses for effect. Yet despite my incomprehension of the language, I still understood like a flashback to child cartoons reading subtitles. The Oni's Tale Bones splinters, teeth crunch, blood squirts between tooth and tongue, divine suffering. Abrupt silence echoed after the short poem. The Oni sank back down into a crouch in a clatter of armor, swords and fangs, folding its arms defiantly across its chest. The Shogoth chuckled slimily, mouth tentacles flexing. Oni always plays it safe with a high coup, staring at me with several eyes at once intently. Satisfyingly concise while ambiguously incomparable to prose, never winning or losing, patient wisdom personified. And now your turn, human, unless you forfeit, that is. 
predatorial, eager eyes were upon me as I stood shakily to begin my tale. The Oni's abrupt poem had given me less time than expected, but my plan might just work. My mouth was dry, but somehow I found my voice. The Human's Tale High up in remote mountains was a small village of cheerful folk. Everyone living there worked together for the common good. They had no use for money or frivolous things. The village was renowned for their fluffy, large-eyed cats that wandered wheresoever they pleased, demanding ear scratches and belly rubs. In the evenings for entertainment and relaxation, the people gathered around a large fire in the central courtyard and told each other stories they invented during the day. The only access to this happy place was a long, winding trail leading steeply up the mountain, punctuated with trees and rocks. On this trail, two old men met, both traveling purposefully to the happy village. One had a rickety old cart full of blue stones and a long beard. The other, a smooth face and a bulging belt pouch full of gold. The three creatures across the fire from me exchanged furtive glances and muttered, unhappily realizing I was weaving their own stories into mine. My cunning plan was that my story included those of the Shogoth and Wendigo. All three tales would become one, and they would be forced to choose the Oni for supper by default. Whether it worked or not was a clever play. I'd feel smug about it if I wasn't so damn terrified. The Oni frowned and let out a low growl, realizing it was in danger. The two old men shared a wicked and evil nature, and soon became friends, sharing tales of the misery and chaos left in their wake. After a long, tiring journey up the mountain, they arrived at the village together, sharing a disapproving frown at the many cats wandering freely and the smiling, happy people. Musical laughter rang out over a background of purring. The peddler offered his gold to buy food and goods, but the people simply smiled and gave him whatever he requested for free. Frustrated, he even tried to buy one of the cats only to have two particularly cute and fluffy kittens thrust into his arms. Exhausted by the long trek and failure to corrupt anyone, he sat by the side of the road, bemusedly rubbing furry bellies, unsure of what to do next as dusk approached. A kind old woman approached, smiling, knowingly. The woman's son had grown, married, and moved into his own house on the far side of the village, she explained and the peddler was welcome to spend the night in a warm bed after a hot supper if he so wished. The woman reminded the peddler of his own mother, and his stomach was grumbling. At a loss for anything better to do, he followed her inside while still cradling his adorable kittens, a faint smile on his face. The other old man with the long beard and the cart full of stones also traipsed around the entire village, dodging cats and laughing children, trying to give away his cursed rocks to people who simply smiled and thanked him but refused, saying that they already had pleasant dreams, knew where everyone lived, and were happily busy being productive until dark when the storytelling would begin. Finally, reaching the far end of the village, the old man came across a handsome, middle-aged woman toiling happily in a beautiful garden of winding paths, trees, and rocks placed carefully to create a sense of peace and balance. His blue rocks could find a home in her garden, if he didn't mind getting his hands dirty. Her husband had passed on a few years before, and she was alone. As he toiled alongside her, she smiled at him with genuine warmth, the lines etching her face complimenting her natural beauty. They talked softly as they worked side by side, hands in the dirt, and he felt a deep sense of joy and belonging. That night at the gathering of stories, the two old men found each other again. One followed closely by two happy kittens, 
the other holding hands with the handsome widow, both smiling, a little wide-eyed but happier than either could remember. No words were necessary. They were truly content for the first time in their lives, and would spread misery and death no more. A horrified hush had fallen over my three strange guests. The Windigo was deathly still. The Shogoth had turned a sickly yellow under its hood. The Oni's face was a deep red, eyes bulging with rage. Standing abruptly, armor rattling, as one clawed hand gripped the hilt of its ancient katana, violence and death in its bulging eyes. My heart was thumping into my chest, legs suddenly warm, wet and steaming. Then, the Shogoth spasmed violently, vomiting a torrid of acrid yellow bile, a sudden involuntary response to the cloying positivity and fluffy kittens from my tail, fully dousing the Wendigo and spraying the Oni's open roaring face. Stunned, the Oni froze while the Wendigo then also lost control of its stomach, spewing sticky black oily foulness over both of its fellows. And unable to resist anymore, the Oni sank to its knees, gagging and retching, caught by the reciprocal chain reaction. I do not know what happened next to my visitors as deeply primal instincts took over, as I turned and fled. Blindly through the woods I ran, branches whipping at my face and clothing, arms and legs pumping mechanically, numb from fear and adrenaline. I have little memory of that wild flight through the forest at night. How long I ran, I do not know only that eventually I emerged from the brush onto a highway, managed to flag down a passing vehicle, and eventually made it back to the city in which I live. I have never been back to the mountains. On a clear day, I can see them far in the distance, but rather than a wistful longing, there is now only fear. The bustling city that previously caused anxiety and resentment now feels safe and comfortable. I no longer have any desire to venture beyond its boundaries but I do miss the vast sky full of bright stars.